Good afternoon. I'm Eric Von Hessler, sitting in for Eric Erickson this afternoon. We usually do a show called the Von Hessler Doctrine. It's on noon to three on Sundays. Have a whole cast of characters then, but um, when I fill in, I just bring in my my producer, the handsomest producer and all of producery, Jared Yamamoto. So, Jared. Why don't you hit me up with a headline or two? Yeah, we, we've carried this as breaking news all day here on WSB, Eric, and it was about Ross Harris, where he was sentenced to life without parole, plus 34 years on top of that. I'm not so sure I understand the 34 on top of life. We'll get into that later. And I could ask you more questions, but I actually have an expert here. WSB <laughs> reporter John Lewis is on the line. John Lewis. Yes. Uh, what was the mood like in the room? Was there a reaction from Ross Harris that was noticeable? What was it like? <clears throat> Uh, actually, Eric, I got to tell you, it, it was interesting because it was very, very antiseptic. It was very matter-of-fact. The judge read the sentence. There was no argument by the prosecution, no argument by the defense. Really, nobody showed any emotion, and yet we're sitting there at sentencing about the death of a 22-month-old child who was only at the end when the judge called it heinous and evil and and, and a few other choice words, did we have any idea what was going on? But it just was very matter-of-fact, and I, I just found that it was a very quiet way to end a very violent yeah. uh, episode. It, it, this was a child, and, and we just basically glossed over it. To sentence him, it just seemed that there should have been more. Well, some of that would be, right, if, they, if they're planning an appeal, they didn't want to show any of their cards at this hearing, right? They, they're going to wait Correct. and show everything then. And do, is, there any, uh, is there a timeline on the appeal at all? Do we know when this is going to go down? Or is- well, he, he has time. He has 12 months to appeal the misdemeanors, four years to appeal the felonies. So this could, the appeals could take place any time between now and... And, you know, 2020, we yeah. could have an appeal take place on this. And that's what they're, they're, they're eyeing. The, the, the defense even made the comment to the judge that they've already started the paperwork for the appeal. So we'll see what happens. Right. The appeal, for people who don't know, on the state side, it's going to be guilt or innocence. On the federal side, you can only appeal constitutional issues. Were you able to speak to uh, the prosecutor or anyone like that about uh, where yeah, they're standing on this? I spoke to uh, Chuck Boring, the lead prosecutor in the case, and Vic Reynolds, the DA, and they both said, you know, they've tried many, many, many murder cases. This one, of course, was different. This one was emotional. And when I talked to Vic Reynolds uh, privately afterwards, he was saying, look, you know, I've got two children. Every day you hope your kids are all right, and then you look at a case like this. And I made a point to him that, you know, when this happened, we wondered how could it happen. But if it was deliberate, then all the warnings in the world aren't going to make a difference. It was one of those things that, you know, it, it was just, again, the contrast of you, you hope you keep your kids safe, and then these things happen. But even the judge said, reading back what Harris said when he was arrested, he said he wanted to use what happened to warn the public about what could happen with hot car deaths. Yeah. And in a way that she was, he said that she said that he can never have planned, he'll get that chance and maybe he's already done that. So we'll see if this, this maybe has an impact, but um, it was just one of those bizarre cases that none of us are ever going to uh, you know, forget. Uh, very quickly, before we go to traffic, was his, uh, was his wife there? His wife, Ross Harris's wife is still saying, yeah, I know he's a creep, but I still think he's innocent, right? 
Correct. And she's still standing by him, but she was not there. And there was no emotion in the room. Yeah. Uh, the only sounds in the room when this was going on was there was a, an infant in the room crying, and that infant was taken out after about 15 minutes. Otherwise, again, it was just very, fill out the paperwork, do what you say, Ross Harris, no man, yes man, very quiet. Uh, and again, you could have easily, this could have been sentencing on somebody who was stealing from a convenience store and that's someone who murdered their you know, yeah. 22-month-old son. It, it yeah. just, it, it, you know, and that's the way it works. But as someone who's covered over and over murder trials, you, you expect to have some something, someone speaking on behalf of the victim. And yeah. in this case, there was nobody there. Well, maybe the it's killed was it. Maybe it's because all sides sort of see this as a mid as a mid stop because they they know appeals are coming. John Lewis, of course, I really appreciate it. Nobody knows more than you, and thank you for checking in with us. I really appreciate right, it. appreciate it. We got to check in with Doug Turnbull. See how that ride home is going. Uh, yeah, not going so well, Eric. You know, I hesitate, Jared, to ask you anything because I've gotten bad information from you in the past. So I want to let the uh, the crowd know this. By the way, Eric Von Hester filling in for Eric Erickson. So when they give some, so Ross Harris gets life. And if life meant life, you wouldn't have to worry about it. I'm always curious when they say life, is it 32 or 34 years? Well, here in Georgia, they're saying No, hold on, but I'm saying on, on this sentence, it's life plus... Life plus 34 years. 34 years. And my guess is that life doesn't mean life, so therefore you figure out a way to add more years so that if life doesn't add up to life, the 34 gets you... You see what I'm saying? It, it seems to me that if life meant life, you would just say life in prison, and that's it. You walk away, and the guy's in prison till the day he dies. Because most people, after 30 years, they're eligible for parole, or if there's something that, something that changes the case. So even when you say life, you see, this is a problem that we have. We have a problem <laughs> that words don't mean words anymore. If you want to have... I don't If you want to have a system whereby somebody has the ability to get out in 30 years, then when you're... Rendering judgment, you should have language that says that. But life in prison should be one of those. If I'm sitting there and the judge says to me, life, in my mind, I should think, I'm never going to see the sunlight again. Like, I'm never getting out of this place. It's never going to happen. The idea that life comes with caveats and, well, it might be your whole life, it might not be your whole life, seems... Strange to me. So, but each state is different, though, Eric. Do you, are you suggesting that it might need to come from the federal level? Then, where I'm suggesting that words should mean what words say. That's all I'm suggesting. If if you get a life in prison, then that should mean that you're never going to walk out of that prison, and that that should only be given in extreme cases. This is obviously an extreme case. He was found guilty of the most horrific sort of thing you can imagine. It's an extreme case. If he is in fact guilty, it deserves life. But life should just mean life. Life plus 34 years, when I hear stuff like that, it, it makes me think that's one reason that I'm not a lawyer. A second reason is because I'm very lazy and never would have gotten through the whole process of becoming a lawyer, but let's set that aside. But the silliness of the law sometimes, it, it stri- it's striking to me. Well, it used to be, too. Life plus 34 years. But so it- you, you, you stay in jail. See, to me, let's be concrete here. Let's think about this. Life plus 34 years. In my mind, in my simple mind, that means he stays in jail until he dies, and then they leave him in the cell for another 34 years. <laughs> and after 34 years, they take his uh, carcass, whatever's left of it, and burn it or bury it or whatever. But of course, that isn't what happens. That's not the case. And the reason is because life doesn't mean life, which gets to a much bigger problem that we have in a society, that words don't mean 
what they're supposed to mean. Really, at minimum, it could be 64 years. Are you aware of the fact that uh, the word li- figura- literal- figuratively means literally now? Did you know that? Yes. It's an alternative, it's an alternate, I should say, definition <laughs> of figuratively is literally. All right, we're going to take a break. We can come back, and I'll go, I'll go on my word rant when we get back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. I know I'm focusing on a small point here, but I have to get through this. So I'm reading on, uh, on our website, wsbradio.com. So this is the Ross Harris sentence. A judge sentenced Ross Harris to life without parole. He's 36 years old. Life without parole. Plus thirty four years. Now I've already. I don't understand. I can't quite get my mind around why you tack on thirty four years to life in prison. But it gets even more ridiculous because it says he will get credit for the two years he's already served. Which, in a sane world, when the judge said you're getting life in prison, you really wouldn't care that you got credit for two years because you'd never see the light of day. But you're explaining to me, and this makes sense. At some point, life in prison stopped meaning life in prison. Correct. And what was it? Did it used to be 14 years? Like it, you, the, you, if, if the judge said life in prison, you had to serve a minimum of 14 years before they could conceivably think about parole. Right. right? Prior to July 1st, 2006, it used to be 14 years. And then and, they changed the law and made that 30. Correct. So now when the judge says life in prison, what that really means is you have to be in prison for at least 30 years before anything can happen. Until you may be considered for parole after those 30 years. But right now... so. Because life stopped meaning life, then prosecutors, I'm speculating here, I don't know, then prosecutors started tacking on more years so that you wouldn't be able to wiggle out in 30 years. Correct. So the mandatory thing now, you add the 34 to the 30 that he must do for life, and they figure, well, he'll be good dead. Well, minus two, because he's already served two. Minus two, so you get 32. (laughs) So what life in prison means is that he will serve 62 or 64 years? 62, yeah. So that's what life in prison means. Actually, life in prison means life plus 34 minus 2. So 62 this totally. Is, this is all I'm saying. I know that I sound like a moron here, but I'm used to that. I live with myself. But can't we just go back to ha- have it where life means life? Wouldn't things be simpler? Where do we get to a point where life stopped meaning uh, Whatever. There we are. Give me another story. All right, so Fox News' Megyn Kelly, uh, she's been in the news a lot lately, but she is not denying the buzz that she could possibly join CNN. I know this hits you really hard over here. I can't deny the buzz that who cares? (laughs) I mean, is there more... Is there a more overrated human being on the planet right now than Megyn Kelly? And I'm not even talking from the Trump point of view. I'm not even talking about that whole thing. I I just... Megyn Kelly is not that important in the world, and yet I can't open up my internet or anything without... Oh, everybody cares about this. I've got news for you. Nobody really cares about this. Megyn Kelly gets, like, I don't know, 3.4 million viewers, which is a lot for cable. I get that. But let's remember, there's over 360 million people in the country. So that means... You know, I'm not great with my math, but uh, somewhere around 364 million don't know who she is. Now, many of them are children. I get that. So I don't know how many adults there are in this country. Well, listen, she tweeted specifically to you, Eric, to assure you that many reporters are writing articles about me and my future at Fox. Don't believe a thing you hear unless you hear it from me, period, Eric. Hey, I don't want to hear that last word. Period. Let's get back to the whole Donald (laughs) Trump thing there. I don't need to bring that up. My point is this. 
the people who care care, and it, it makes it so she gets three point five million. The reason CNN's thinking about paying her twenty million dollars is she's got about seven hundred fifty thousand people who are between twenty and fifty four. It's less than a million people. It maybe it's worth it for CNN. Maybe it all works out, and she gets advertising, and it all works out. My point being that the only people who care are people who write about the news, and yet it's everywhere. Let's not forget that at the end of the day, Megyn Kelly, do what you want. If you can make $20 million, go make $20 million. But never forget this. For about 250 million people that are possibly like 12 years old and up, they wouldn't know her if they bumped into her at a supermarket. This is abs- the absurdity that happens when these bubbles happen about how popular she is. Another thing is, I don't care. Actually, I haven't told anybody this on WSB Radio yet. But I am not watching TV news. I stopped watching last week. I am not watching any TV news for all of 2017. My blood pressure has already dropped. We'll talk more about this and other things when we return. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. We do a show called the Von Hessler Doctrine on this very frequency every Sunday from noon to three. Some people are saying that it's the greatest radio show in the history of the world. I'm too humble to say that. I'm just letting you know that others have said that. You know, before we left, I went to the break there. I was saying, and it's true, I've just, I made the decision that I'm not going to watch television news all the way through the year 2017. And I've already started now. And let me tell you, just in the last two weeks, I've felt just very, very relaxed. Jared Yamamoto, I should introduce you so that you can respond to me. But uh, I went on vacation last week, and I decided to unplug completely. And it felt great. And when I came back, I'm like, why am I going to go back into this 24-hour? I don't care about Fox News. I don't care about CNN I don't care about MSNBC. You're not devastated with Megyn Kelly's news here? I don't care what happens to Megyn Kelly. I don't care where she is, where she works, where she does or does not work. When I've been on the radio, I've made a point many times of criticizing listeners from both sides, left and right, for being inside their own silos on social media, basically only being interested in opinions that validate things that they already believe. And I think for myself... I was getting into a silo of my own, which is watching all of these shows, all these pundit shows with panel shows and all these. And you get the guy from the left and you get the guy from the right and they just shout past each other for 15 minutes. And I felt like me, like, am I learning anything from this? I remember back in my 20s, I used to, in my teens and my 20s, I got almost all of my information about the world from reading. And I felt more enriched. I don't know if it's real. And I, I know that there are bias, you know, the print is bias. And everything, but there's something about television. It brings a heat to a conversation about politics and culture because in television, it's hard to get ratings and it's hard to stay on for a long time. So you got to make sparks fly. And what does that mean? You have to take the mundane and the banal and make it seem existential at all times. Everything you're watching on TV is presented as if this is the end of the world. And I felt like as somebody who comes on and has opinions, I was kind of like watching these shows and letting CNN and Fox decide what the big story is, what people are talking about. I mean, how many more opinions about stupid liberals on college campuses can I have? Oh, really? Some dummy said something dumb again today? But they've got 24 hours to fill. And so I, for the year 2017, am stepping back 
and no television news. And I can tell you, in just the first two weeks of this, my blood pressure has dropped. Uh, the world, it turns out that every single day of your life does not have to be dominated by a news item that just might end the world. It turns out that most of these... Th- Whoa, what's that? What's, I think there's a monster on the other line. There's, a, there's, there's somebody breathing down my neck. Uh, let's take a check on traffic, and we'll come back. The traffic breathing down our necks, too, there, guys. Eric? Yeah, so I'll be... Uh, this is my own experiment. It's a personal experiment that I will uh, not be watching television news for the entire year of 2017. And I'm not an elitist about this. I don't think I'm better than anybody. It's just a personal experiment. I want to see... You know, when I watch these shows where people are just screaming at each other and charismatic figures who have a horrible point of view win arguments just because they're better at arguing their point than the other person that's screaming at them, I just wonder if I'm actually enriched at all. So I'm getting all my news from all from print. And that doesn't mean I won't be reading trivial things. I'm still online with the blogs from the left and the blogs from the right. But you know what you get when you read? Here's the one thing. I know the bias is there. I can read through it. I got a pretty good BS detector. But here's the thing. When you're getting your information from reading, uh, and radio is great too, by the way. I'm all for radio. You're in the car. I don't want you to read while you're driving. I think radio is right there for you where, where you need to be. When I'm in my home, here's the thing. When you're actually reading you can't be looking at another at your phone while you're reading. I, I found myself, I had 24-hour news on in the background so often, and I would actually be looking at something else on my phone at the same time. Here's the cool thing about reading. You kind of have to be invested all the way. You can't be reading and looking at your phone at the same time with something else going on. There's no second screen when it comes to reading. So give me another headline there, Jared. Al Gore had an extremely interesting meeting with Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump regarding climate change earlier today. I can so, only uh, imagine. So Trump was saying that uh, he's a big skeptic on climate change. Yes. Let me just say this about climate change right out of the box. We need to flush this whole conversation down the drain and start over again. I am a skeptic when it comes to climate change, willing to admit that I'm not a scientist. But I am a skeptic because one thing I know is the people who are telling me that the world is going to be gone in 100 years have lied to me. All right? They have lied. Superstorm Sandy had nothing to do with climate change. As a matter of fact, Superstorm Sandy is called Superstorm because it wasn't even a hurricane by the time it hit land. It was a perfect storm, hit at the right time as far as the tides were concerned, and ran right up in and did a lot of damage. So the fact that the people on the other side say that Superstorm Sandy is connected to climate change is a lie. So if the people who want me to believe in what they say would like to convince me better, the first thing they need to do is stop lying. So Donald Trump gets there, and now he has Al Gore come in. I think he was supposed to meet with Ivanka, and then he ended up, uh, Donald Trump met with him for a good long time. Correct. How did he describe it? Extremely interesting. What does that mean? What does extremely interesting even mean? What is? Well, I'll I'll tell you what it means, if (laughs) if you'll allow me to, uh, Uh, to, to kind of expand on what was discussed. First of all, first of all, at least I now know what that noise was the whole time. Al Gore. <laughs> he was sneaking around back there. All right. Oh, Al- I'm sorry. It's been a long day. I am very, very sleepy. I know. <laughs> I'm sure you are. So you were scheduled to have a meeting with Ivanka, and then Donald Trump shows up for a large part of the meeting. So. Well, first of all, Ivanka is delightful. Let me just say that. Okay. And I look forward to seeing her 
more often than not, yeah. in this new administration. But when Donald came in, I mean, we had a very interesting conversation. He needed to be educated on what it is exactly climate change is doing to our country and the economy. And so how did you educate him? What did you, what did you let him know? We sat down, and I showed him a screening of an inconvenient truth, which he's never <laughs> seen before. So you guys just sat there and watched a movie. We watched a movie. I broke out, you know, a little one-hitter. He refused, but, you know, that's how I like to watch movies. <laughs> well, you know, you're off. You're not running for president anymore. You can do whatever you want. I'm green all the way is what I'm saying. But it was interesting because Donald listened. He listened to what I had to say. I listened to what he had to say. And what we're going to do is we're going to reach some sort of agreement so we can move forward with helping the country heal the world. So basically, you just like being around people in power. That's one thing I've never, ever given up. I like it when celebrities like me. I like it when my daughter writes for television shows. I like it when I'm in the limelight. Well, thank you for explaining it all to us. Mr. Gore. I hope I was able to let you know what happened between me and Donald. You sure were. We'll be back. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. You're making fun of me. I can see you. Take a look. It's in a book. This is inspiring, Eric. Well, you stepped on the reading rainbow part. You guys are making fun of me because I'm saying I'm not watching television news anymore. Getting all of my information from reading. A reading rainbow. Fox News. See, I don't have to hear listen to the whole song. <laughs> well, I you get know, the joke. Well, I no, the you joke. were over here, you're like, oh my God, it's so great what you can see you know, when you actually you, read. You and get context. You get uh, context. To me right now, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, it's all the same. Let's get together, get a bunch of people shouting at each other about stuff, most of which doesn't really matter. And I know the game in television news, and you got to keep eyeballs there. And so you got to keep, so you know what? Uh, every time we talk about Syria, the ratings go down. So let's have people shout at one another about another stupid thing that another liberal on a college campus did, and we'll elevate this and pretend this is the most important thing in the world when it's not. What's actually going on in Syria? Yeah, that's kind of important. It would be nice to be able to really, and I find, oh, here, here comes the music, see? <laughs> I find that uh, you get more context when you're, when you're getting your news, just reading. It's not as if there aren't biases. It's like a reading rainbow. It really is like a reading <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, the, for instance, this is why Donald, people wonder why Donald Trump tweets the way that he does. The, the reason he does is he knows, he knows that he can get you to dance to his tune. He can decide because of the way that these 24-hour networks are set up for yelling and arguing back and forth. And it's, he, he basically programs the thing for him by tweeting something like, anybody who burns the American flag should lose their citizenship. He's never going to put anybody up there to go to the Supreme Court to try to make that happen. But he decided that he wants to watch you dance. So all the liberals get outraged. Did you hear what he said? Doesn't he understand? And then, meanwhile, it's just a game. It's a game that he's figured out. It's a game that I've figured out. And I would hope for everyone else soon that you will figure it out. 90% of what they're arguing about on CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC is inconsequential. The stuff that's important isn't interesting enough to keep you watching. <laughs> Try reading. That's all I'm saying. Try reading. Give it a go. For one week, get all of your news about the world through reading. And just... You'll be surprised at how different if the I world read a, looks. If I read a tweet, does that count? Yeah, you can see anything you read. 
Anything you read. Just get it all through reading. That's all I'm saying. All right. More of this when we return. back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson with my producer, Jared Yamamoto. What's up, Eric? We usually do a show every Sunday from noon to three here called The Von Hessler Doctrine. It turns out it's, it's my favorite show that's on Sunday from noon to three on this station. Wow. It's my favorite show at that time period. So you know, check it Eric out. Eric approved. Eric approved show, The Von Hessler Doctrine. You know, I'm looking here, before we get, to, before we get into more headlines here, I'm, I'm looking at uh, a story, Quinnipiac poll says that Americans want Donald Trump to quit tweeting. This is the headline. Americans want Donald Trump to quit tweeting poll shows. And I'm thinking, Quinnipiac, isn't that one of those polls that said that Donald Trump could never win the presidency? That's true, they did. <laughs> Why do we even do stories about polls anymore? The, what, just, wasn't that just blown out of the water? I, it's, it's, it reminds me, there's this, there's this big debate going on now about Facebook and fake news. A lot of the people on the left are convinced that it was fake news stories on Facebook that convinced people to vote for Donald Trump. Had nothing to do with the fact that they had the worst candidate maybe in the history of candidates. Not since, like, Bob Dole for the Republicans. Have you had such a boring candidate for a side? They, they just cannot blame Hillary Clinton for not doing what it took to, to win that race. So they're always looking for something. It's racism. It's xenophobia. It's this. It's that. But another one of these things is it's Facebook, and they're fake news. How many of these stories have you seen lately? Facebook's fake news problem. And I'm thinking, what about all those news stories from ABC, NBC, and CBS that said Donald Trump can't win the presidency why aren't those considered fake news stories? Or the BuzzFeed articles would be like, 25 ways why Donald Trump can't <laughs> yes, win. These things are never somehow never fall into the category of fake news. <laughs> the major never. outlets that told us it was impossible for this guy to win the presidency. So that's all silly. And it, you know, the, the media, it is kind of hilarious to me. Like, I, I, I call him as I see him with Donald Trump. I have a lot of things that I disagree with, and I think that there will be a lot of things that I disagree with in his presidency. I refuse to analyze the cartoon Donald Trump, the cartoon image of Donald Trump that's out there. There are some real things to analyze, some things to be hopeful about, but many things to be a little worried about. The carrier deal, I wasn't so happy about. I think it's populism. I agree with Sarah Palin, strangely enough on this one, that it's crony capitalism. But look, I'm glad those people have those jobs. Uh, I said this yesterday. This is the thing to understand. You can be glad that those 1,000 people have their job at Carrier and still know it's politics, not economics. It's populism. Populism works as long as people feel like they're doing okay, maybe getting ahead a little bit. Populism will continue to work. I've said this before. If Hugo Chavez was still alive and oil was still trading at $120 a barrel, Hugo Chavez would still be popular in Venezuela. When you see the street riots in Venezuela, those people didn't wake up a few months ago and have a political epiphany that, oh, free markets was the way to go. No, it just stopped working for them. Populism will stay popular as long as people believe things are working out for them. And the same thing is going to be th true with Trump. And bringing it back to the tweeting, the fact that the media does not know that they dance to his tune. 
The fact that the media doesn't realize that they are, he is their, he, this is a puppet show. And they're dancing on strings that he, that he is moving. He knows when he tweets, you are going, that he's going to decide what the conversation is for the rest of the day. He's going to decide. You really think Donald Trump is going to spend any energy trying to make uh, people who burn the American flag uh, lose their citizenship? No. But he knows if he tweets that, he's going to get the left to go, what? Can you believe this guy? And then the constitutional scholars. And guess what we don't talk about? And don't think Donald Trump doesn't know this. Guess what we don't talk about when Donald Trump tweets something? We don't talk about the fact that he just settled for $25 million, the Trump University case, which he said he would never settle. Very quietly. We, uh, very quietly. And then, to keep it quiet, he knows that these people who call themselves reporters are not really reporters. The Walter Cronkites are gone. These are people who need clicks. They need views. They need people eyeballs. And so he gives them the, the bread. They're the pigeons. You know, he throws it out there and he knows he can get them to dance to his deal. And this is all going to keep working as long as the people feel like their lives are doing all right or a little bit better. Let's see if the roadways are getting a little bit better. How about that segue, Doug Turnbull? Like that, man. You're better than segues of Mr. Erickson. I must say, he always gets me stuck with some awkward stuff, guys. There's no way you can call yourself a conservative and say that you agree with what Donald Trump did with the Carrier Corporation. Jumping in there like that and basically... From what office was he speaking? He's not the president of the United States. He wasn't speaking from the uh, CEO of Trump whatever. You've got to understand what really happened here. The economics on the ground for that corporation are the same. They haven't changed. So they thought they were going to save 64 or $65 million moving to Mexico. There's nothing that's happened since the time they made that decision to now that changes those economics. But let's look a little bit on another way that what happened. Again, glad for the thousand people who kept their jobs. The way that I look at it, and what I see happening, is that a major corporation helped the president-elect with a PR victory. That might be worth $64 million. That's called crony capitalism. Nothing has changed on the ground in the economics. They're still going to lose $64 million. 10% of their income comes from the defense industry. They're owned by a company called United Technologies. That's what was really being dealt with here. It might be worth $64 million to be the president's friend. That's all I'm asking you to think about. Again, glad for the thousand people who kept their jobs. But it's politics. It's not economics. Give me another headline. Environmentalists are claiming victory after the Obama administration denied the necessary permits needed for the construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline. So the, the saga is over until at least January 20th. This is the thing where, is it Sue? Yes. It's, and it's, uh, they say it's sacred ground. Uh, for the, this, where this pipeline's going to be. Obama, again, with a completely meaningless, useless gesture. He has no authority whatsoever, really. He's basically saying, okay, the United States government, we're not going to do this. It was He's actually, punting. It's the uh, uh, Corps of Engineers, Army, the, the Army. And they said, we're going to look for another route. Now that begins the whole, we have to find a route, then we have to do the environmental studies on the route, and forever. But just like all the executive orders, Donald Trump can walk in there on January 20th, and say, no, uh, we're going to do it. So this really doesn't change anything. I don't know a whole lot about how sacred that ground is for that tribe. But, and, and, and I do care about that. That's not something that we should... Maybe there is some reason. But if you look at the country, 
Like the interstate highway system, for instance. There's no way it can be that. How much, how much interstate highway system do we have? We have 46,876 miles of interstate system, uh, of the interstate highway You're system. telling me there isn't five miles of that that go over some well, kind of sacred be. ground? I ask people to think about when you're saying, well, this shouldn't be built and that shouldn't be built. Are you willing to go back in time and not have the federal highway system? Because I guarantee you there's an awful lot of so-called sacred ground that that stuff's on. And Eric, of course, there's 2.4 million miles of pipe already underground. So that's yeah. oh, that's a ton. Well, of that goes to the Keystone Pipeline. Like, oh, really? How much? How much do we have? 2.4 million miles of pipe underground already. Yeah, and the Keystone was the bridge too far. Give me a break. We'll be back. It's WSB. Welcome back, Eric Von Hester, filling in for Eric Erickson. Yeah, I know that people get upset whenever you go after the carrier deal that Trump brokered. The president gets involved, saves a thousand jobs. What are you against a thousand jobs? No, but I know it's politics. I know it's not economics. I know it's populism. You know, it's I, I don't know, Jared. You're a young man, very young person. Jared Yamamoto, my producer. Uh, you're a millennial, and oh, thank uh, you. Which means you don't remember much about anything that happened before ten minutes ago, usually. But when Obama first became president, I think it was in his first year or two. He hasn't been the president the whole time? No, when he became president. I'm saying, oh, in the first oh, year or he, two. I thought he was president first for year forever, or two. right? Don't sass back. <laughs> so in the first year or two, he was, uh, he was doing an appearance, and a lady, and conservatives roundly made fun of this. This lady, she was a single mother. She was obviously on hard times. And it really was kind of awkward, because be, rather than just asking the president a question, she might as well have asked him for a loan. You know, it's just she explained how horrible her life was and what can you do to help me? And conservatives roundly, and I think justifiably, said, see what you started here? You know, everybody's going to depend on you. You're the, you're the one who's going to change people's lives. It's interesting to me that when something like the carrier deal in Indiana happens, then suddenly conservatives are fine with it. I just say something to anybody listening right now. If you're waiting for the president to get you a good job, you're going to be waiting a long time. It doesn't work that way. It's an illusion. What presidents can do is get out of your way. That's You don't want the president in, intimately involved in your labor dispute. You want an economy that gets people like the president of the United States and the Congress out of your way so that you can go out and make the most of your gifts in this life. That's what you should want. We don't get the president involved in every labor dispute in the country. And if he gets involved in one, why doesn't he get involved in mine? We're already seeing these stories, right? We're already seeing people with pickets and, oh, the president ought to come here and do something about this. You know, it's not any more conservative than the lady who stood up in front of Obama and said, hey, man, I'm on really hard times. What can you do for me? It's, you know, how conservatives all of a sudden turn around and think that pres- it's okay for presidents to get involved in labor disputes is beyond me, except they're probably getting most of their information from cable TV news, and if they would read a little more, I think that they'd do better. Eric, don't you think it's a disconnect, though, between the separate levels of government? I mean, everyone thinks that if they vote for the president that they have the most control over your daily lives, when in fact it's the opposite. Yeah, nobody your- votes in the local elections. Which is crazy. You can, you can win your most local election with 28 votes. You can get on the school board. 
You can get on. I mean, the, the, the elections, when, when people are electing the people who really, really, really could have an effect on their lives, they don't get interested. They vote for president, right? But I don't, you know, that's one thing. Another thing is be consistent in your views. You know, either it's the right thing for the president of the United States to get involved in individual labor disputes, or it's not. And once you make that intellectual decision, left, right, Democrat, Republican doesn't even come to play in it. When you elect people and you want taxes lowered or you want a better business environment, you want things like that, then that's what you're voting for. It doesn't turn on a dime. The best you can do is change policies and then you look in the rearview mirror a year and a half or two years later and you go, look at this, we're opening more businesses, more people are successful. And usually that happens when you get bureaucrats and government types out of your way. You don't want to invite them in. Because I've got news for you. Once you let them in, the next guy's in too. And you might not agree what that person's going to do or what they're going to say. Let's push them away. All right? Donald Trump is not a savior. He's not the guy you're going to call on the phone to save your job. Stop thinking about him that way. What you should hope for is that he creates an environment in the economy that allows businesses to prosper. But it is not... What about the people who... Compete with Carrier. Well, they're not on such an equal footing now, are they? No, they're not. Carrier helped the president-elect get a PR win, and uh, they're currying favor, and they're friends of the president. See what we're starting here? If you're in business, you want to be a friend of the president, and you want the president to know you're a friend of, the, of, of his. You know, that's crony capitalism. You can't believe that it was wrong for Obama to pick winners and losers. And then turn around right now and say, well, it's okay with me if Trump picks winners and losers. That's not intellectually sound. You either in favor of the president picking winners and losers, or you're not. You can't say, I just disagree with Obama because he sunk $540 million into Solyndra. The answer is, you get your hands off. You back away. You allow businesses to make rational decisions in a free market. That's at least used to be the conservative Republican position. All right, we'll be back. This is Anthony Maddox from Snellville, Georgia. I just got done listening to the radio on the way home, and they're playing Reading Rainbow. I'd like to say thank you. Now that's stuck in my head. <laughs> Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. Jared Yamamoto, my producer, is here with me. And they're still making fun of me with the reading rainbow because, as well, I said earlier... Well, you were earlier, so enlightened, so inspired. You're, you're just smiling while you're talking on the air. Like, a reading's so wonderful. Perhaps it's maybe... I, I've said that I'm not going to watch the 24-hour news networks all the way through 2017. And maybe if people listening, just try it for a week or two to get your information, of course, from WSB Radio. But just get rid of the heat of television for a week and see what happens. You know, I'm looking up here. We have one of these 24-hour networks on uh, with the sound down here in the studio. And I'm looking still what they're covering. Trump slams SNL in China in Twitter trade. That's the discussion because... They don't even realize, and I'm not saying this in some kind of conspiracy or paranoid way, I'm just saying re- reality. They don't realize that Donald Trump is their puppeteer. Even if they feel like it's important to them to get on television and say how wrong it is, it's so unpresidential for him to be tweeting like this, he's still got them singing his tune. And he knows that. Now, when you read, you get a little more context. 
Give me another headline real quick before we get it. The, the World Health Organization, Eric, now lists hot coffee as a cancer risk. Oh, but what isn't? <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? I'm drinking yeah, coffee now. <laughs> I have really, I've, I've realized a long time ago that uh, living is a gateway to death. And that if you want to be frightened by anything, you can. And the things that they taught me when I was growing up, yeah, I remember being in fifth grade, home economics. The teacher said, you can't drink too much whole milk. It's not possible. Just drink, and then you, like, a few years go by, and I don't know, that gives you a heart attack. It turns out, in reality, moderation in everything is really the way to live. And so that's from the what? The World Health? Organization, yes. Who? That's right. World Health Organization? <laughs> Who? Okay, so what's today's date? Today is the... 5th of, of December. Okay. I'm sorry that I didn't... I really should have known the date right off the top of my head. It's been a long day for me as well. So uh, this is from June 15th. I knew you were going to bring this up, and so I went and dug this up. This isn't June 15th, 2008. This is June 15th, 2016. Coffee may protect against cancer, WHO concludes. <laughs> yes. So how many people read this back in June and started drinking more coffee in order to ward off the cancers, and then they woke up today to find out that the same organization has classified coffee as potentially cancer-giving. Now, what is the reason? It's the temperature, right? It's not just coffee. It's the temperature. Yeah, that's right. They're the, uh, the WHO is saying that beverages hotter than 149 degrees are linked to a higher risk of cancer in the esophagus. Okay, and that's like hot water. Yeah. Anything that's hot. Correct. So if I'm drinking hot water, <laughs> I'm thinking in my mind, if I'm drinking hot water, I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm being healthy. I think the WHO, they just put out, I, they're just making it up at this point, right? Well, how many people? Hot water gives you cancer. And again, how many people have, again, read that previous headline this summer and then this morning woke up and just spit their coffee out? Like, no, I can't believe it. I was doing so well. I don't know if hot water can alleviate it or make it worse, but the traffic we have to get to. Doug Turnbull. And it's only if you drink enough of the hot water, it's called a temp that it weakens the lining of your esophagus. That way, guys. Traffic and esophageal expert, Doug Turnbull. He explained it to us. So it's the heat that. Uh, I guess it scars or does something to your. So esophagus. that means Eric, though, in March or April, then iced coffee is going to be the the thing that the WHO is going to find cancerous next because people make a run to iced coffee. You know, now. when they do put out the new thing that says coffee causes cancer, they ought to explain the thing they put out in June that says coffee may protect against cancer. I'm confused. You know what? Maybe I should go back to watching 24 hour news. I'm now being confused by the print media. I have no idea. I have no idea. So uh, give me another headline. Ben Carson will be nominated as the next. Who's he? he? Never heard of him. He is. I'm uh, well, of course, you know, he's a neurosurgeon that ran for president. Never heard of him. One of the 17 people that ran for president. And he has been nominated by Donald Trump as the next secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So that's HUD. HUD. That's right. HUD. HUD. Now, first of all, that to me as a libertarian, there's just no need for that department. I, who is the person that says, man, if it wasn't for HUD, if it wasn't for HUD, my life would be terrible. How much money does it cost to run this thing? So I think the reason that Trump said he wants to put him there is because he wants to have an inner city initiative, bring back the inner cities, make the inner cities work. I don't think we need a department. I don't think we need the housing and urban, urban development. I don't think you need that to make this happen. Let's just take a look at the world, okay? Let's put ourselves up there in Doug Turnbull's whirly-burly. All right, let's look down. Let's take a bird's eye view of the world, okay? 
Now, you look at an area like Metro Atlanta, and you can transplant, take this to anywhere pretty much. The close, like concentric circles. So the closer the concentric circle is to the inner, inner, inner city, things aren't working out economically. You pull back to one more concentric circle, things are a little better, but still pretty bad. Another concentric circle out, oh, things are starting to get pretty good. Okay, now we're outside 285. Whoa, things are getting really good economically. Now we're pulling out concentric circles. What's the difference between the concentric circle at the very center and the furthest one out where everything's going great as far as the economy is concerned? Capitalism. There's none of it in the middle, and as you pull out concentric circles, you get more capitalism. There is nothing different needed to revive the inner cities. The same thing that works for the suburbs, the same thing that works for the exurbs, will work in the inner city. There's nothing different. Capitalism, free markets, entrepreneurialism, opening businesses. That's too hard. Well, it's just that people want to believe that you have to do something different for the inner city. No, inner city, look outward and just copy what they're doing. We'll be back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. You know, before we, we might have not have time for this next news story. I don't know. But before we go, I want to go back to earlier in the show. We were talking about uh, Al Gore having this meeting with Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump about climate change, and he was saying that he was uh, educating them or whatever. They had a good meeting. An extremely interesting meeting, Eric. So Donald's listening, and Al Gore is saying what he thinks. And I, I, I want to reiterate this. I, with the climate change argument, the whole thing needs to be flushed down the toilet, and we start over again. All right? Here, if you believe in climate change, and I'm a skeptic, here's the first, here's a, there's two things before I'm going to start listening to you. Number one, stop calling me a conspiracy theorist, okay? I think that Oswald killed Kennedy and there was no conspiracy. I have never heard a conspiracy theory in my life that I've ever believed. Stop it. Stop calling me a conspiracy theorist because I'm skeptical of climate change. Two, stop lying to me. Stop being willing to lie if you think that it helps you convince me. For instance... Superstorm Sandy. Number one, stand up and say Superstorm Sandy had nothing to do with climate change because that's the truth. And then we can begin to have a dialogue that is real. I'm open. I'm here. Jared, you and I will be back on Wednesday. Yes, we will. For Eric Erickson. Alan Sanders is in tomorrow. That's right. And then Eric uh, will be back on Thursday. On Thursday. And, uh, well, thanks for listening in. Check out Alan tomorrow. And my show, The Von Hessler Doctrine, every Sunday from noon until 3. Some people are calling it the greatest radio show of all time. I'm a humble man. I'm just reporting the facts. Also, download that WSB radio app, The Von Hessler Doctrine. We do three podcasts plus our Sunday show, all available right there. And we've also got some weather coming in, too, folks. So just remember, you want to have that WSB radio app handy. There you go. All right. Listen to Alan tomorrow. The 7 o'clock news is up next.